0: When frequencies are open. Well, welcome, welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. Welcome
1: to that Star Trek podcast. Are
2: you out of your mind? Watch and learn.
1: This is gonna be awesome. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek.
3: You are stuffy
1: to the cold. I can smell it on you. Join us as we dive into the newest content coming available as well as retrospectives of the past series and films.
2: Do we need a mutiny today to prove who we are?
1: Now, on with the show
4: we've only just begun
3: hello everyone and welcome to an all-new episode of that star trek podcast my name is sean ray and i say screw general order one joining me tonight
2: <laughs>
3: joining me tonight in the historic infinite potato Studios. we have rick how are you sir howdy john is here as well how's it going sir i assume you mean The rule general order, not the person general order, because he would not like that. General order. (laughs) Dave is here as well. How's it going, sir? (laughs) Hi. I don't know how it's going. (laughs) You tell me. And Nick Yeager is joining us as well. How are you?
4: I'm good.
3: All right. Tonight, we will be discussing the first episode of the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which was titled Strange New Worlds, written and directed by Akiva Goldsman. Original air date was May 5th, 2022. Captain Christopher Pike comes out of self-imposed exile to rescue an officer gone missing during a secret mission. Now, I do have to point out that I I, I, had, I have to say the same joke that everyone else has said, that um, this has been the longest pilot to, to series in the history of television. <laughs> we had the pilot to this series Uh, over 50 years ago (laughs) but um what what did you guys think uh Nick what did you think of strange new worlds
4: uh I had mixed feelings I I didn't love it but I didn't hate it so I guess that's good (laughs) (laughs) these days that's all one can expect I guess
2: yeah
4: (laughs) yeah I don't know it was okay
3: Okay. All right, Dave. What about you? What do you think?
0: Well, I uh, I'm a little special. I you know I was very concerned that uh, this episode would cause iTunes to believe that I was keyword stuffing, but um <laughs> the title and the title. But anyway,
3: <laughs> strange new world. Uh, strange new world. Yeah,
0: I went crazy about it. I it was um heavy handed. You know, I I don't know how much I've said it in this show, but. I really detest a hope speech, especially when that hope speech is like the thing that saves the day. And it was a little cringy to be using, you know, uh, I get it, but it was cringy to be using uh, Ukrainian uh, war footage as the alien footage. It felt weird. It felt weird. And my God, I hope they don't keep going back to him seeing his future reflection and everything. Going like okay we get it he's he's looking forward to a bad thing
3: i think Um, they i mean yeah yeah i think that they were just establishing it since this is the pilot and this is the first this is the first i mean we've had a lot of star trek series this is the first one that's been like a direct spinoff of another one Mm -hmm. um i mean i know we've had like backdoor pilots and stuff like that but this series is like a direct spinoff of discovery you know especially this episode uh stuff that happened in discovery directly relates to stuff that happens in this episode but yeah so that um but yeah i I think we'll we'll probably hear it again but i don't think they're gonna stay on it like they did in this episode but yeah
0: they did a couple of things really well like i really liked that he was like one of his favorite movies is the day the earth stood still and we see him like the part of the movie that he's watching is the part where the alien is talking to the world leaders about you know getting your shit together Mm. watch your life mate uh sean of the dead um (laughs) and then like that's the climax of the of the episode is him doing the same thing to these this other species but yeah hope speech yeah and then yeah. it was the worst thing ever that he was like telling the mission. What's the next mission captain. And he's like to seek out strange new worlds. <laughs> like, Oh my God, that was so cheesy. That was so bad. I was ashamed. Like i I had goose flesh of, of embarrassment. Like I looked at my wife and I said, I'm sorry. I got you into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, what'd you think?
5: Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think my my bar was lower than most, <laughs> probably other Star Trek fans because, uh, you know, I don't. As I may have mentioned, um, I don't really care about canon. <laughs> I don't really care about canon, so I wasn't looking for. I mean, if I happen to see an Easter egg, cool. How about I, bad I would... writing? Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I hear you when you say that you want Star Trek to be better than it was, but yeah. I felt like this was this was the Star Trek level that I expected. It was it was it was kind of preachy. Um I agree with you about the the speech. The, the where are we going? the find i oh, come on. That should have just been a voiceover. There was no reason to actually say that.
0: It was a voiceover over in the opening credits. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> yes,
0: That should have just been a voiceover.
2: <laughs> um, uh,
5: you know, like I, 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 definitely got the sense of they'd introduce a character, and I'm supposed to be like, "Oh, it's so and so." No, no, no. I guess that's the person I'm supposed to know. And then, <laughs> and, uh, and,
0: hey, there's a person who acts nothing like the character I know, named after the character I know.
5: I was fine with that too. Mm. I was fine with that too because it's, because it's pre-character I right know being some other character getting no. to be the character I right know. Whatever, it's fine. I don't care. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to... <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking forward to no stakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward
5: to a new thing. every other. And yes, the characters should progress. Absolutely, the characters should evolve. But... You know, a season-long arc. I'm good. I'm all full up. I'm all full up over here. I'm What's funny
0: is arc. you look at this like vivacious character that is Nurse Chapel in this episode, and I'm like, God, she's got a worse fate than Pike. If you look at her character from the original series, where she's just like walking around mooning over Spock and or <laughs> you know the dude and uh, what her little girl is made of. Uh, it was just like, oh God, you you were such a happy
3: person at one point she'll
2: get yeah, made
3: a, I, she'll get made a doctor by the time uh the well, motion picture rolls my, around my
4: head cannon was that because i noticed the same thing i'm like what happened to christine i'm like i guess she met mccoy and then just killed yeah. her yeah. spirit
3: yeah i mean <laughs> could you work for mccoy that makes sense, actually. all right rick what about you what you think
1: all right I'm, I'm i'm gonna clear something up right now um do it in in the first season, season, we never have freaking seasons. The, the first year of Starbase 66, we spent two hours talking to Herb Solo, who was the executive in charge of production of the original Star Trek. And I asked him point blank, because you know, we brought up and you know, we we dealt with almost all of the mythos of all the behind-the-scenes mythos um, of uh, TOS. And I said, you know, I brought up that, you know, the network execs didn't want a woman as uh, second in command of the Enterprise. And he stopped me. And he's like, no, that's not what happened. They didn't think that Majel Barrett had the acting chops to play number one. Ooh. And I think if you watch Christine Chapel in with that lens, she really didn't come out of her you know become a really good actor i think until Luoxana. then yeah, then she character. had like gotten to the point where she was like i don't care i'm just playing the hell out of this character and i love Luoxana, and i love you know mm-hmm. you know i i you know she some of her episodes weren't the best episodes but i love the character and i and and i'll i'll die on that hill i think by that point major barrett had found her her ability but i think she was still holding back as as christine chapel um okay so i i don't think she did a bad job as chapel but yeah you're right these two these two characters are very very different um and i like this this christine maybe they'll the baby will will they'll they'll be some sort of reconciliation i don't know we i may be expecting too much i i really enjoyed this episode um you know I, i i I don't want to say I'm the only one that grew up watching TOS, but I think most of y'all had TNG when you were really young. Whereas TNG was kind of the interloper for me. So TOS was, you know, all the way through my childhood. So this is really a nostalgia, you know, a, a, you know, mainlining nostalgia for me. And I think they nailed a lot of it really well. Um, yeah. I The the whole every time he looks into something reflective He sees his face melting I know they're at least going to be doing that for the next episode Because they tease that in the in the next week um, I agree <laughs> I hope it goes away
0: <laughs> Real fast um, It's the bit from 2011's Green Lantern Where he gets everything he does He sees the flashback of his father's plane exploding And I'm like I get it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well I,
5: I will say I don't know that well, I didn't watch to see like next week on. I saw like this season on. So oh yeah, so there might have been just a scene from this episode. You know,
1: you but, may be right. I I may I, I, be.
5: Yeah, I think it was like on this season.
1: I just think you're right. I, I, so hopefully, hopefully you're you're writer than I am. Um, I love the new Enterprise. I love the heart, I, I, except for the white corridors. I that's that's a throwback to the Abrams stuff. And I never like the visual aesthetic of the Abram stuff, um, but I think the, I think the characterizations are great. Uh, um, I don't like the collars of the uniforms. I know they're kind of trying to yeah. do a throwback to the cage, but that it just looks like a t-shirt they threw on.
0: It feels um, like in tapestry or whenever they would show like the movie. The maroon without the undershirt. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> Um, so there, there's some, some bits of the visual aesthetic I'm not thrilled with. Uh, other things I really love the, the, the tricorders and the phasers, you know, the, the hardware that I grew up seeing is, is there and I'm, and I'm really digging it. Um, you know, the whole, I don't want to be captain anymore shit. That's, that goes right back to the cage. So mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, I love Uhura. I love having Uhura on board. Um, I love the diversity of the cast. Um, Mbanga was one of my favorite characters in TOS. We only saw him twice. And so him being the, the chief medical officer, I think is awesome. Um, there, there's not a lot I didn't like. Yeah, the story is very linear and cartoonish. Um, and the, you know, the the we're going to screw up your genes to, to disguise you was kind of silly. But then again, we've also been like, you're going into surgery to look like this race, and it's like all of a sudden they come out with all kinds of prosthetics on. They're like, that's not surgery. So, you know, I'm, I was cool with that. They're 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 trying. You know, it's it's the first season of a new show, and I, I kind of mentioned this on on uh, on when we talked about the the finale from Picard. And while we were talking, I kind of clarified what I had said about you know the the. The finale for, for Picard, it's only season two. And I know that uh, these shows have been around long enough that it shouldn't take three seasons for them to gel because they, they've got, you know, everybody involved has 50 years of stuff to pull from. But it's still, a, you know, a bunch of people that haven't necessarily worked together before. And I think that's where the, uh, the, the, the growing pains come in and even though we've got uh, you know a rich tradition of star trek for them to pull from it's still you've got a bunch of people trying to work together under pressure from like marketing and production and mcdonald's we want to sell toys and and you know you know all of this stuff so i uh, think is mcdonald's
0: doing star trek toys cuz i have not seen that oh i would, I, I want I would to love get
3: it. in on that they did they did when the 2009 movie came out they they had that I and have two sets of those classes
1: hoping up. someday they'll be worth something.
0: <laughs> I mean, I want a strange new worlds enterprise from McDonald's. I mean, <laughs> but holy but god, p- are they doing that?
1: The the point I'm making is that <clears throat> you know, modern Star Trek shows are under way more and way different pressures than like TOS or T even TNG were under. And so I'm willing to cut them some slack in in, in that area and see where it goes from here. I enjoyed the show. The storyline was you know it was all right and i've always joked about the fact that starfleet captains have to be able to pull out the speech at a moment's notice um so that's very star trek too. but you're right it's tedious and and this was not a particularly good one i didn't realize that was ukraine footage and now i'm i'm kind of retroactively skeeving about it
3: um well okay so the the one thing that i will say was that about that um that scene when he's given the speech, the day the earth stood still inspired speech, mm-hmm. he's talking about the violence that our world experienced that led up to world war three. One thing that they, they showed some clips from the January 6th insurrection and that, yeah. you know, I saw that as like, Whoa, <laughs> they put that, I mean, that, that kind of blended in with it really flawlessly.
1: That I thought but, was, was appropriate, yeah. but yeah, the Ukraine mm-hmm. thing probably is not, not so much.
3: Yeah. Um, Okay, so I really enjoyed this episode. I thought that um, I don't have a whole lot of bad things to say about it. I, I, I think it helps that at least three of these cast members we already knew. Like I said, this is a direct spinoff of Discovery. You know, so um, I think it, it, it was great the way that they introduced us to these characters two years ago on another series so that we felt like we know them. And then even the ones that we don't know, we still know them because a lot of the characters are younger versions of people that we'll see in other shows. And um, it almost felt like this wasn't really a new series. This almost felt like it's just a, another episode of, you know, just re- rearranging some of the characters that we've already seen. And it had the, it had a TOS, it was very a very uh, good blending of the, this TOS feel with the Discovery feel kind of blended together. So I uh, also want to say that I've never seen anybody on Star Trek other than Tom Paris that had a television in their house. Mm-hmm. Like that looked like that had to be like an antique.
5: He was, <laughs> he was, he was in his retro uh, get away from it all cabin. So yeah, he, he was roughing it with the flat screen.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would Isn't it weird to... that
0: every time we get to know a, a captain of the Enterprise, they're like super into antiques? Like Kurt collected antiques. Picard is obsessed with archaeology
3: and antiques. Right.
2: Like right. Now Pike,
3: yeah. Archer really liked uh, water. What was that?
2: Polo. Water,
3: water polo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's always been one of the weirdest things to me is like so many of the characters in star Trek are just so obsessed with like old shit,
3: mm-hmm.
0: even like general Chang over here, like quoting Shakespeare. I'm like, all right, that is my favorite star Trek movie, but that's weird.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a reference to like, what was it? Gorbachev said, talking about the original, uh, the original Shakespeare or whatever. And they were like, Oh, that's funny. What if the Klingon said that?
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, Yeah. Um, Okay, so it's been three months since uh, Discovery vanished into the future. And Pike has been living on a secluded ranch in Montana, refusing to answer Starfleet's communications. I I like how they act like his communicator is just like a cell phone and he just won't answer it ringing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, He's let his hair and his beard grow out and contemplating what he witnessed about himself in in the future. Uh, so
1: I could grow a beard like that. In three months.
3: Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I read that this was supposed to be three months, I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> Pike's girlfriend leaves to go take her, her own command. And uh, Pike is approached while he's riding his for- his horse in front of the AR wall.
0: I feel like um, girlfriend
3: is a strong word, but <laughs> well, his, his <laughs> companion for the for the evening. Yeah. Um, his
0: four pip hookup.
3: That whole that whole sequence kind of felt like um, Kirk in Generations, you yeah. know, yes. when he's in the cabin yeah. and I he's making eggs. Much so, yeah, yeah, he's making eggs and all that. And what was her name? What was his girlfriend's name? Did he kept? like Antonia or something Antonia. like that. Antonia? Yeah. yeah,
1: that we never saw.
3: And she's upstairs. Yeah, we saw her in silhouette on a horse. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did, we did. <laughs> so I,
1: I did, I did like that that uh you know the did we ever get her name the the woman that was with pike at the beginning um, we did but
4: uh, i didn't
2: write it down i don't think so
4: yeah captain beltar something like that
1: yeah, but i i just i i love when when they showed her uniform and i saw that she was a captain i was like oh that's pretty cool
3: yeah i think she had just been promoted to captain or something like that i'm i'm going to pull up the um
1: well because IODB.
3: Don't tell Janice Lester.
1: I, that's what I was going to say. And, and <laughs> a lot of people take the fact that Janice Lester said that there were no women captains in Starfleet as gospel, that there were no women captains in Starfleet. I always took it as she was knucking futz. And that's, you know, because she couldn't be a captain. She just said, there are no, you know, you're not allowed. And she was just insane.
0: I think there was, it was that people lumped that in with Pike in the cage saying uh, he can't get used to a woman on the bridge.
1: Yeah, I always hated that line too.
0: You know, I hate it too, but I would love to do a series exploring why women weren't on the bridge. Like, was there a war? Did did some enemy create a weapon that somehow only affected women so, like, it diminished their forces by half? Like, and did was it a slippery slope? Even after the threat was dissipated, did that mean that, like, the men somehow still like felt the need to keep the women subjugated. Like I always love when like we reach a plateau of evolvedness we'll say, and then something happens and they use it as, as an excuse to, to go backwards. You know, I always love those kinds of stories like Kirk being prejudiced against the Klingons in star Trek six. I always love that kind of stuff. I think it's it's really interesting and I would love to do something exploring that.
1: Except that Pike's yeoman, Ensign, uh, Ensign Piper or Lieutenant Piper, you know, she was standing mm-hmm. right next to him. And he's looking at n- number one going, I never could get used to a woman out of the bridge.
0: And she's like. Yeah, he was just, they were there. <laughs> they were there then, but yeah. he's still aggravated that they are. like. So yeah, it's like yeah. relatively new that they're back. And it's, I don't yeah. think it's in the menagerie. So I don't consider it canon, but it's still like, that is an interesting concept Yeah. to me.
3: Her name was uh Captain Battelle. Okay. Uh doesn't have a first name. Um and then uh Robert April shows up. April. Yeah. And
1: boy is the internet losing its mind over that. And oh, I love it. God.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's being played by Adrian Holmes, which Adrian Adrian Holmes most recently has been playing uh Uncle Phil on the uh the the Bel Air. Fresh prince yeah i'm bel-air yeah the Fresh prince uh reboot. he's fantastic too. oh yeah he's great he's great and uh, and he did a good job here i don't know how much he's gonna have to do with this with this season but <laughs> uh apparently this whole this whole thing of discovery is a secret nobody can ever know only matters uh, unless you just ask <laughs> 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 because, that's right because he came back and he said well they i mean yeah they told me what happened with discovery so i understand now <laughs> he's a high-ranking admiral well, he, he also he he
1: needed to know it's a, it's you know it's one of so those need to need know, to know.
3: yeah and he yeah. needed to know at that point. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
3: <laughs> so um so yeah uh he he comes in and he tells um he tells pike that he needs him to get back on the enterprise and he needs to go out and find una who is uh gone missing after she went on a first contact mission on the uss archer which is a really cool little ship that only had a crew of three people
1: i have i have big problems with the archer what's that okay well
3: like uh um, technical problems oh yeah oh, okay <laughs> pretty trick
1: yeah um okay <laughs> a lot of us you may you may all own a copy of it uh i've I, the 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 original starfleet technical manual which was created by Franz Joseph, which is absolutely not canon. I know we, we don't like using the C word, but, uh, I love it.
0: It's my favorite word. It's just
5: me. Who doesn't like it. (laughs) And actually I don't even care if you use it. I just don't really accept it, but like, Um, no,
3: feel free.
1: And, and, and it had a bunch of different kinds of ships. And one of them was a scout, which was, uh, you know, a saucer section and you know how much I love that phrase, uh, with a single warp nacelle. Um, but Gene Roddenberry himself when talking about starship design said that, and, and this was uh, further established in what is a basic, what is essentially canonical, the, the uh, next generation tech manual that warp engines work in pairs. They, they it's two warp engines creating a warp bubble that that's what propels the ship. Mm-hmm. So from, you know, that's why we always see, uh, with the exception of uh, All Good Things, which was Q screwing with the, just being Q, um, warp engines in, you know, in even numbers. So you've got either two warp nacelles, or like in the Stargazer, the Constellation class, you got four. Um, you never see three, you never see one, or five, or whatever. They, they work in tandem. And... With the exception of the J.J. Abrams uh, 2009 Star Trek, we've never seen a starship vessel with a single warp nacelle until now. And I'm having trouble reconciling with it because what we see on screen is, is for real, uh, for real. (laughs) It's, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's causing a huge mental aneurysm in my brain because we have this established rule, quote unquote, for starship design that they just went, meh, Here, here's well, a scout ship with a single warp nacelle.
0: It's not an established rule. It's something Gene, Gene Ronberry did, which is what he always did. Someone else had a hand in something that he didn't have a hand in, so he shit
3: on it. Yeah. <laughs> that, Same that's memory. what
0: Gene Ronberry did. So.
3: My head cannon is, is always when when Inter- when Enterprise found the Borg, it changed everything. They were yeah. they they retroactively updated tech. <laughs> yeah,
1: but but so. then but then you get
3: the temporal you know, War a two. ship
1: that's you know it's not huge, but still, yeah, a three person crew.
0: So no, that was dumb. Yeah. That was dumb. One to sell him. Did five not land. get that. Three person. Why crew,
4: would you? Why would you have a? a first contact mission with only three people. I I didn't understand the story reason for there to only, because, well, the the presumably the reason they only had three people is because they didn't want to have to deal with a whole crew on the ship. And like, they didn't want to have to have scenes of them interacting with them or something, I'm guessing. (laughs) But like, it it was just so weird. Why would you have a ship with only three people? I just, I didn't understand why they did that.
0: If it has more than three people, then those people could have mounted a rescue mission of their own.
4: Well maybe they're all scientists and they're not good at rescue missions. Like that's maybe. so easily right aroundable. Like uh, no. it's just so such a bizarre choice.
1: Mean, well why send a scout ship on a first contact mission anyway?
3: I could well, see just sending three people down on the actual first contact, but why only yeah, exactly. send three, you people, on three, the three people
4: down? Yeah. But you well, know, w- have a ship completely abandoned in space at that point. <laughs> that's even more ridiculous. If there are only three crew members, then only two of them, or maybe only one of them, goes down. You don't leave the ship all alone. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
3: Picard used to take the entire Enterprise just to go drop Wesley off for class. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: but yeah, no, in dumb. in uh, in um, the way no, not the way to Eden. Um, oh, the Paradise Syndrome. They even dealt with the fact that we uh, on the Enterprise, you know. So we're talking, you know, a Constitution class. so like. If the last person beams down, we're effed because nobody can beam back up. It's not like you can call the computer in TNG and say, beam us back up. They the, At that point in time, ships weren't that automated. So, yeah, mm. why the hell did they all beam down? I didn't even think yeah, of it.
4: Yeah, it makes no sense. And in what universe do
0: they say, here's a dinky scout ship. Let's call it Archer. What? Yeah. Why does <laughs> yeah. Archer not have a more prestigious ship?
3: Now they do have a. There is another Archer class ship later on, right? I, I think it's in. Um, it's either in Discovery or in Picard. There's a Archer class ship.
1: Yeah, well, in Discovery, there's the Archer, the, the Archer space
3: dock. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, <laughs> on Vulcan, <laughs> Spock meets with T'Pring, a woman who he has been courting since his youth for dinner, and T'Pring pro- pro- proposes marriage to Spock, who okay, readily accepts. Wait,
1: wait, uh... This, this is another thing I have a big problem with.
3: It um, leads I, to a romantic night between the two that is interrupted has- by a call <laughs> by Pike, where Pike says, Spock, are, Spock, are you naked? He's like, no, Captain, I am not. <laughs> he has not been courting to Pring. Yeah, yeah they, they were betrothed. They, ha- they had
0: an arranged marriage. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was supposed to be. Also, I don't think to Pring was supposed to act like a mean girl from a CW show, but what? <laughs> yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: I don't, I do. I don't I have a. I don't have I a problem that. With,
0: with
1: Spock and T'Pring having a relationship prior to the events of amok time. I know that we've got something coming up on Vulcan. Maybe there, what's what's the episode called Spock amok or amok? Spock, Spock amok. Yeah. yeah. Um, if he goes through Ponfar, then we have a serious problem with the writers saying, screw everything we've done before. Because
5: uh, radiation. Some radiation goes through a cloud.
1: <laughs> it, it'll yeah, yeah, it'll depend on how system. they do it. Um, because it was very clear in a mock time where Spock that was his first pon far. Which made even, no
4: sense because he was too old for it.
1: I he, well, that's why he he said I was hoping my human blood would keep me from having having to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But damn it, it's happening now.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um
4: but it happened when he was a teenager In remind and, me of yeah, the name of the and, movie.
1: Yeah, so it's all over the place. Starts
3: at three. Starts at three. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. I so, didn't even,
1: you're right. Yeah.
4: So I actually, if they are retconning it, I actually like that retcon because it made no sense that he would be so old when he's going through it for the first time. So well, maybe, maybe he, he was just he,
0: saying, in a muck time, maybe he was just saying, I had hoped in the past that it would stop this, but it's not. It's going to keep happening.
2: Hmm. Maybe he uh, just yeah. didn't know. I didn't what was even happening take Star Trek four
1: head. into or three into account. Thank you. That's uh that helps.
3: <laughs> I did laugh at the when I you know, I made a joke a minute ago about uh when Pike says Spock, are you naked? I did like when T'Pring said he was about to be captain. It's a special <laughs> night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I did like the portrayal of T'Pring because that is totally in keeping with how she was
3: in, in uh yeah in, I, in I she agree. Was pretty I liked
4: awful. her being a mean girl. I, I think that's consistent with how she is. Yeah, well, I did
3: like when yeah. Spock and Supreme kissed at, at dinner, which you you don't see a whole lot of kissing between Vulcans, but they kissed, and then the, the waiter came by and said, Can you go do that somewhere else? Yeah, That's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I think it was just like it,
0: it was, yeah, she was a mean girl in the original, but I, I think she was more stoic in the original, whereas like here it was more like snarky, like you know. Yeah. does that yeah. make any sense like well, yeah. she
1: yeah. she's more in what the vulcans have evolved into over the various series mm. cuz in in TOS we were they were there was still that vulcans have no emotions and then it became vulcans have suppressed emotions and then it became vulcans have really powerful emotions that they don't let anyone see
0: yeah which you, if you look at, at journey to babel like Sarek is pretty emotional he's he's a snarky yeah, pos. I I yeah. always candidate as like Spock is like try. He's such a tryhard when it comes to the the whole Vulcan thing. He's just he's like Worf.
4: <laughs> but but Spock is snarky. Spock mm-hmm. is not snarky all the time. He's constantly being sarcastic. Spock showed
3: emotion all the time. Like, yeah. He did.
4: Yeah, especially so all episodes. Vulcans are a holes. That's yeah.
2: the
3: thing. I mean, go and look. Go and look at the uh, the um, the actual episode the cage i mean spock shows a lot of emotion in that i mean well, he's laughing yeah yeah, that, yeah that's For that sure the women
2: like <laughs> <The> wi- <yeah. laughs> well, my that
3: that is my favorite
0: star trek scene
2: <laughs> <The women! laughs> that
1: that doesn't okay that doesn't really count as vulcan because they eventually took
5: look at john's face <laughs> john didn't say a word <laughs> <laughs> all right, never mind. Never mind.
1: <laughs> I uh, think we a word, we, man. We all know go, this. Go ahead tell, <laughs> tell me
5: which cannon was real cannon. Well, I want to in in the
1: in the in the cage. Number one was supposed to be was the 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 emotionless one, mm-hmm. and then when they reworked it, and they didn't they got rid of number one. They, but uh, okay. Here here's the thing. Roddenberry didn't want to give up Spock. And the network was like, all right, we'll give you a second series, but lose number one and lose the alien. And of course, Roddenberry being the, you know, anyway, he he, he act, got rid of number one, but he fought for Spock. And he took the characteristics of number one and gave them to Spock. So in the cage, Vulcans were not this unemotional race that that we know them now or you know, whatever mm-hmm. um so in where no man has gone before spock is unemotional even though the sensors is at full intensity <laughs> <laughs> um you know uh they they took the, the characteristics of number one and gave them to spock and that's when the vulcan or the vulcanians at that point uh kind of took took their started taking the shape of of this emotionless race, or or whatever.
3: Well, the uh the Enterprise goes to Una, um to her last known location, and they find that the entire crew are missing, and there's there's a glaring anomaly with the nearby civilization's techni- technological uh, capabilities. Uh, there is a warp signature, but they figure out rather quickly that it's not a warp signature from a warp engine; it's from a warp bomb and uh probably because they start shooting at them before <laughs> you know uh as soon as they get there so uh, they raise the shields they get attacked by a missile strike from uh from the surface and you know that's when spock deduces that it's a they've got this mass weapon instead of a, a means of transportation so they dis- they decide to disguise themselves in order to investigate the civilization uh they they have a landing party that meets with Dr. Mbanga and Nurse Chapel to modifies their physical appearance, and then they set up this whole thing of, well, Spock's uh, is not going to last as long as everybody else. Oh, so there's going to be some shenanigans that's going to happen. <laughs>
1: I just love how Chapel's like, hey, I came up with this new thing. We're going to try it on you, Zap. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but if they uh, if they knew it was going to wear off so easily, why even do it? Like It would have been more effective just to put Glue on them, or, or whatever. They... Like, why do this genetic thing if you knew it was spotty? Ugh.
3: Well, they knew that that just putting prosthetics on them wouldn't have worked because they knew they were going to scan them. But, mm-hmm. um but yeah, if, if it wasn't going to work as long for Spock, then you know, Maybe take somebody, somebody else. else. Yeah. It shouldn't be Spock, or send the stuff with them. I mean, why? Or Nurse Chapel should go with them or something. What? Why are you depending on the fact that? Well, if it wears off, we'll just beam the stuff down. You what? Something could happen. It does. <laughs> but it was kind of cool that he was able to beam the liquid from the thing straight in the Spock's eye like that. No, That was pretty.
4: Was cool. it? Was it? No. Cool? I, no, it was cool. I didn't. I didn't. No. I didn't no. like I
3: didn't it. Like it. No, it was cool.
0: I, I <laughs> it did, was cool. I did not like it because <laughs> it what, was not But it was cool. We can't do that with a transporter. Okay, we can. I just did it.
3: Like it do that. What that, have had bosses like they they always they always do things with the transporter that's never been done before. Yes. Okay, they always
2: okay, say so it but then we <laughs> always get like point. scenes
3: of them working it out.
4: <laughs> yes. Okay. So here was my my major problem with the episode as a whole is that there were so many things in it that were silly or or dumb and I I found myself getting really irritated. And then I would say, oh, well, I guess that is very Star Trek. I guess that's very original series. And I'm like, I guess I can't be upset at that. And I'm like, but come on, it's 2022. Like We should do better. Like like just the it being more like Toss, is that a good thing? And so I I have mixed feelings because I'm like, is the entire series just going to be an homage to the original series? or are they going to come up with things that actually make a bit more sense and that are not so farcical because a lot a lot of the original series you know yeah it's dumb and it was the 1960s like come on and 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 it was eh, sort of a kid's show to an extent but now I mean we're so much more sophisticated as viewers and we would hope that the writers would be more sophisticated mm-hmm. so why are we still doing things that are just silly
2: yeah
0: they're more I- interested in updating the aesthetic and being like see this will get all the new modern viewers and uh, we're all sitting there going like um but that was dumb we yeah. <laughs> like we know what plot holes are now can you stop with that and
1: you know like like you said earlier dave uh, on the other show you know i'm all for fan service i'm like mm-hmm. pander to me i you know i love it yes to a point point. and yeah. if we get you know one i'll even i'll even grant you you know give me two episodes of just pure tos schlock but then let it go and move on and and do a good series um because you're right the you know i even i i i the 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 beaming the 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 genetic stuff down into spock was stupid af
3: it was Um, reminiscent of 2009 when um scotty beamed uh kirk and and uh i forgot who all was in that scene but when they were they were (laughs) jumping they were jumping and then he beamed them onto the platform said i've never i've never beamed two people from different places that were moving at the same time before that was awesome but uh okay so Una Una Chen Riley reveals that the uh, civilization witnessed the discovery being transported to the thirty second century, and it resulted in them being able to reverse engineer warp capabilities. I thought in that, three months. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, I mean, <laughs> um, if
4: you can grow a beard in three months, then you can <laughs> reverse engineer a warp ball.
3: Yeah, I thought that the um, this idea was pretty smart because you know on star trek we see we're going back and forth doing things in space all the time never coming never really thinking about the fact that there's a lot of planets out there there's a lot of planets out there that are not warp capable but may have telescopes that can view things we can see that stuff you know we can see when there's like these giant anomalies opening up in space you know that you know different planets that might be in that area. They might see that happen or whatever, or sees you know remnants from it or whatever. There's an alien
0: fleet out there using their deflector shields to dissipate <laughs> the energy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> hey, look what's going on at that star that that uh Wolf 359. What what are all those ships over there? <laughs> you
0: know, awesome well, shit's going down out there, y'all. <laughs> can, I don't think I we're alone in the universe.
1: That you know, they, they didn't specifically say where the events of uh, you know. Okay, the, the whole battle that they say that this race saw would have had to be uh, within the orbit of Pluto, close to this planet, for them to have seen it in, in less than three months.
3: Well, she, I mean, she said that it was, it was close to where it happened. Wasn't it like the giant
0: wormhole opening up to the future and discovery going through it? Isn't that what they saw? Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay. They
1: were with, They would have had to be within this solar system for them to see it in three months. And this is something that, that and, and I blame Goldman for this because uh, this is something that J.J. Abrams does all the time that pisses me off. He takes no account as to how big the goddamn universe is because it was in you know in in the the both the the Star Trek all three Star Trek movies you know like especially 2009 where Vulcan blows up and like every planet within the parsec sees it you know within the sec- the sector sees it or in uh, uh the force awakens when they fire that weapon and 15 different planets see the thing happen he just has no concept of how vast spaces or or in star trek dark into darkness where they're in a battle around the goddamn moon and then they fall into earth <laughs> like yeah. five minutes later um there is I, that that was another thing that you know star trek i know that there are people that will argue that star trek is fantasy i that, that you know i don't i don't want to get into that debate star trek is science fiction as much as science fiction can be and they at least try for plausibility or have tried you know as much as they could at the at any given time you know within the within the the, the bounds of telling a good story you know transporters and warp drive and stuff like that they're their their plot devices to keep the story moving but 3 months is not enough time for the shit to have happened in this in this episode unless the events of the the end of season two of discovery happened inside this planet solar system
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah well i hear you yeah but you're right yeah i can't i can't <laughs> all i can say is it's, it's science fiction
5: <laughs> i'm just going to take this moment to uh to say that the yes the genetic manipulation was it was kind of dumb, but it wasn't any dumber than, you know, what they've done in every other series. The I think was definitely dumb, but I liked it. And I think like my favorite line probably the whole show was, um, Spock, you're changing back. Yes, I know. It's quite painful. Yeah. <laughs> the pain. The
1: pain <laughs> is I think you said
3: the pain is quite remarkable. Captain it's it's, it, it's actually quite, quite <laughs>
1: excruciating now.
5: Captain. <laughs> or yeah, that was great. Favorite line of the show
3: all right so the diplomatic means are failing pike orders the enterprise to um to fully reveal well i kind of skipped over uh uh that pike realizes that this means that starfleet and the enterprise are responsible for this technological shift pike and spock remain behind to meet with the planet's leadership personally and he ends up ordering the enterprise to fully reveal itself and uh the civilization you know it it causes them to drop their, their hardline stance. And the um, that's when Pike gives his big speech about, you know, we, we, you are going where we've been, you know, and we've, and he starts calling out things. I don't think we've ever heard in star Trek. I don't think we've ever heard a mention of a second civil American civil war before, but he says that the eugenics wars lead into the second American civil war. I may have that backwards, and then and then into uh, World War three eventually mm-hmm. so um
1: but that's something Star Trek has always done is is you know take current events and put them into the the Star Trek uh... and
4: be super us centric
1: yeah well, yeah that too <laughs> that that's yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we just You're spent right. a whole we just spent a whole season in France isn't that enough yeah, <laughs> with no one speaking French. We were at an abandoned vineyard
4: where it was always nighttime for some reason.
0: Yeah,
1: and and, and we got one French cop who spoke English.
0: That's true.
5: <laughs> no French accent. Did well, they have a French accent? French Universal translators.
0: Universal translators. Everyone, hello.
3: <laughs> um. <laughs> so line line noonie and singh she kind of reveals elements of her traumatic backstory and uh she talks about that she, she was on a uh, on a ship it was like a generational ship that was attacked by the gorn and then the gorn took everybody to one of their nursery planets and that was
1: some dark shit that she went yeah
3: to. so every, everybody she's the only one that survived everybody else it was either eaten or they were um
1: eaten alive
3: yeah or they used their body to lay eggs in them or something like that Mm -hmm. and that's uh,
0: one of those show don't tell moments like i could have like taken a couple of shots of pike going into a mirror and had like her backstory fleshed out a little more rather than her just like whipping it off in like half a sentence and moving on
1: I think yeah. I kind of didn't want to see that.
3: Uh, I yeah. needed to
0: see it. I'm I want to see Eric on this one. I
3: would like. I, I want to see what a Gorn nursery planet looks like. <laughs> Me too. I'm good. Maybe we'll so see we it on lower decks one day. <laughs> so we can all bitch about how the Gorn look. <laughs>
0: hey. No, I do want to see the
5: Gorn, but I don't want to see the uh, you know,
0: I don't want
1: to see them with slicing people open and eating them alive. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
3: Um, <laughs>
0: I so- want to see human tauntauns.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean that that is pretty much the the episode Ch- uh Una rejoins the enterprise as Pike's number 1. Uh Noonien Singh is the chief of security at Pike's request. The crew is completed by the arrival of science officer Samuel Kirk with uh Pike commanding the starship <laughs> into space. That.
1: I love that because they were talking about Lieutenant Kirk all the way through it.
3: At the beginning, yeah, they said Lieutenant Kirk will be here later or whatever and then when he shows up, it's it's uh, Sam Kirk. Sam Kirk so, with the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, it was like they
0: kept bringing it up so that like the toxic trackers would just be like, no, and just turn it
3: off so they
0: couldn't really...
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, can't okay, say it. I also, Sam.
3: Saw,
0: yes,
2: I also Sam. saw a
3: lot of people complaining that Sam wasn't being played by the guy. What's the guy that's supposed to play Kirk next season? Um.
1: Oh, for Christ. Oh, yeah.
3: Because, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody ever said that Sam that Sam and James were twins. They're just brothers, and just, yeah. just William Shatner played his dead body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they were supposed to be twins. <laughs> well, There's a lot I of mean, brothers that look alike, you know.
0: I think it was ridiculous that they didn't make Robert April a squished-together William Shatner that was voiced by James Dewan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Unacceptable. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I just love how the animated series is not canon until we have a bigoted
3: reason to make it. So,
0: mm. we'll, we'll um. I consider the animated series canon, but you know,
3: well, they make I that, just, they made the giant 40 foot spot canon. So, they
0: sure did. <laughs> it's like they reference everything from the animated series, but it's not canon. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I just think it would behoove everyone. If they would just go ahead and come out and say something—the temporal war, change shit, or you know, this is a separate universe—just just admit it.
3: We'll still watch it. We're desperate. <laughs> My thing is okay. My thing is clearly we're not enjoying like, it for other healthy, reasons. Please, give they me, can, give when, they, reason when they when okay. uh, they when they decide to cast they decide to cast Robert April. <laughs> For this, for this, uh, for this episode, at least this episode, I don't know how much he's going to be in the series, but um, do we want to worry more about the fact that we had two minutes of Robert April in a cartoon from the seventies, or do we want to find a good actor? You know, uh, we need say to...
0: neither. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no reason to have April in the show at all, anyway. Especially if this is what we have of him. Like if he's actually like. Because I was pissed off. Because I like Adrian Holmes a lot. I I think he's a fantastic actor. And I'm like, this is all you did with him? Like, well,
3: hey, you I, know, he better be
0: in more episodes.
3: We 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 wondered why they were putting Pike on Discovery, and then we've got this show. So
0: in mm-hmm. two years, a in two, of Pike on
3: Discovery. In two years, we might get the Robert April years. <laughs> I <don't know>. Yeah, <laughs> let's just
0: like we <laughs> like. I'll I'll make uh, make me the showrunner. I'll make everybody happy. I won't make anybody happy. I'll do a whole series of like, you know, Adrian Holmes finding white Robert April from another universe. And they team up in a buddy cop situation, <laughs> two sides of the same coin, <laughs> stopping multiversal <What>? threats. <laughs> um,
4: but everything was differently colored in the anime. It's serious.
3: Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's true, too.
2: Well, I want also pink James
3: I want James pink Doohan,
1: and Pink
2: Klingons.
3: <laughs> James yeah, Doohan like, did everybody's every man's voice in that show.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I want
3: you know Klingon, Majel Klingons. Majel Barrett did every woman's voice. Yeah.
1: Well, and and no, Nichelle Nichols was there too. Yeah, Michelle Nichols. It was either mm-hmm. Nichelle or Majel. There was one episode, and I can't remember which one it was, where they brought in somebody else. But yeah, the the Roddenberry was really really concerned about the budget for the animated series that's why Chekhov wasn't
2: on I think it
3: was the one that we covered the one about the the guardian of forever where uh, Spock went back into when he was a kid because they brought in uh, Mark Leonard to do Sarek's voice and it was originally supposed to be James Doohan doing his voice mm. but they were able to actually get Mark Leonard. yeah they
1: got Mark minutes. Leonard but but uh, there was only one oh crap oh it was the it was the one with BEM it was BEM where uh they had another. They had a, a. I forget the actress's name, but it wasn't Majel or Nichelle. Did the voice of the world entity in them? Um, it was like the only time it was. It was not Majel or or, uh, or Nichelle. Yeah.
0: Speaking of terrible recastings, that voice on the animated series for the Guardian Forever, who just went was from this just, booming was voice to like. <laughs>
2: like it was it was very apparent that he
3: had, he didn't go back and watch the episode before he did that yes it was <laughs> it's funny because James doing okay so we had uh Michael Jan Friedman on the show a while back because we covered uh what was the Scotty episode of TNG was it Re- Relics. Relics yeah Relics we covered that show that episode but he wrote the novelization of that uh episode so we talked to him on there and um, James Dewin did the audiobook version of that novel. And I listened to it like recently before we did the show and they went in, they, I mean, they chopped up Michael's book a lot because it, oh, yeah. at the time, at the time they were putting audiobooks on cassette. So they only had a limited amount of time unless they wanted to sell like 50 cassettes or whatever. Um, but James Dewan had obviously never watched an episode of The Next Generation before he read that audiobook because whenever Data was in a scene, Data would talk like this because he was a <laughs> robot man. <laughs>
2: so That's like
1: um, there, there's a, a, a an audiobook of Rendezvous with Rama, which is one of my all time favorite science fiction novels by Arthur C. Clarke. It was like the first non Star Trek science fiction novel I ever read and it's brilliant and they're they're talking about making a movie out of it and I don't know how the hell they're gonna do that but I, I poorly you uh, probably because not a lot happens in it that would work for for like television
0: directed or, by Michael Bay yeah
1: <laughs> um, but the the audiobook is so bad because the the whoever read it apparently was told this is science fiction. So read it like a goddamn robot, and it's terrible. I I I like I love the book, and I checked out like halfway through the the audio book. It's awful.
3: I've got a few um, <laughs> trivia pieces here. So uh, the film that Pike is watching, of course, is the day that the Earth the day the Earth stood still from nineteen fifty one. The part is at the end when Klaatu is uh, giving those gathered a warning about uh, taking their violence out in space. Now I made a joke at the beginning that pike has an antique television in his house but um it's it it just seemed to me that it would make more sense in 24th century star trek world that he would have like some kind of a holographic display like a big hologram that would come up and his movie would show on that and then it would go if he
0: had all the holograms taken
3: off the enterprise why would he have them in his home that's true i didn't even think about that (laughs) also it's the 23rd century 23rd century true
1: and it's still it's a movie from 1951 (laughs) what's he gonna do with the hologram
0: he wanted to preserve the original aspect ratio
3: no i mean if if, you want him to watch the keanu reeves version i mean come on (laughs) no you would think that if you're if you're no what i'm saying is that if you're in the future (laughs) and they show and everything they have holograms all over the place the view screen on the ship is a hologram, then you would think that if I want to watch a movie, this holographic screen is going to come up. I'm going to watch my movie on that and then it'll go away or whatever. But now he's got this antique television.
4: Well, because he's I... in the Nexus.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
4: that's true.
5: <laughs> well. well, maybe it's like, maybe it's like, um, you know, I have an HD TV, but that doesn't mean that everything I watch is ready for HD. yet. It just means mm-hmm. I have an
0: HD TV. Yeah. Some stuff still looks old they haven't converted to to holographic right whatever yeah, the hell if I still, plug my, still playing my, 45s
1: if i plug my ps2 into my hdtv it looks like shit right.
3: yeah I, I saw some i saw somebody commenting uh that they would like to see a star trek show where they show more of what life is like on earth in that time i was like it's called star trek it's not earth trek but uh but i do like i mean we get these little glimpses like in picard we see we see that they still have news reporters and they still put out like news programs but even though nobody really has a tv in their house you know they just other than like i said other than tom paris you know he had a TV. well i mean if you go by the gene roddenberry's motion
0: picture novelization the original series was just a show made for children based on the adventures of kirk
2: yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah Okay, uh, the, missing, the missing Starfleet vessel is called the USS Archer, likely named after Captain Jonathan Archer, captain of the NX-01 Enterprise from Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, like I said, there, there's also a USS Archer in the fleet that the Enterprise E attempted to rendezvous with in Star Trek Nemesis. So that's what I was thinking of earlier. I had it in my notes later on. So uh, A shuttle is identified in dialogue as the Stamets. Which I loved. They said that the, the notes that I have says that it it's likely named in honor of Paul Stamets. I, I kind of and now this is my head cannon. Um, a lot of ships and space stations and stuff will have their um, will have their shuttlecraft and later on their runabouts and stuff will all have a theme. Like on Deep Space Nine, all of the runabouts were named after rivers, you know, and stuff like that. I kind of wonder if this is part of a line of shuttles that are all named after people from discovery because discovery had gone missing three months no
1: the, the the enterprise shuttles have all been named after famous scientists galileo columbus or explorers or you know the 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 two shuttles that we knew from tos were the galileo and the columbus so stamets fits right in with that
3: well we don't know if they get the same shuttles that in TOS, that they were using the same shuttles that they're using oh, seven the years shuttle. earlier. Let's, let's <laughs> that they do? That... I was
0: more like, "Hey, did was anything Stamets actually uh, was anything he did actually not classified at this point?"
1: Well, like, there's also a a, a mycologist, my, my mycel myceliologist. I don't know,
4: mushroom scientist mycologist.
1: named Paul Stal, Paul Stamets that the Now Mm -hmm. (laughs) they even interviewed him on the ready room. Um, so it may not be that stamina, so maybe this (laughs) stamina. There. I'm sure I'm sure that the captain can name his shuttles whatever he wants.
3: Probably. Where am I at in my okay? The the uh the the elevator, when they're on the elevator on the alien planet, (laughs) um, (laughs) you hear the music playing. The music is like a music version of the discovery theme. If you like listen carefully, I caught that. But uh, I was not listening carefully, and I caught that. <laughs> the episode also confirms that Una's last name is Chen Riley, which had previously been established in a non-canon novel called "The Autobiography of Mr. Spock." Uh, Starbase One was originally established to have been located. 100 au's from earth according to uh star trek discovery according to star trek discovery (laughs) the war without the war within uh it has since been moved to jupiter you didn't let me finish
1: (laughs) i i I just i've never heard that's further than pluto
0: (laughs) i'm just so tired (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <And> <laughs> historical <laughs> historical footage from world war three depicts nuclear blast uh destroying famous landmarks including the eiffel tower and the statue of liberty the eiffel you tower you have to blow those
1: up anytime yeah. you show the earth being devastated <laughs> the
3: mm-hmm. eiffel tower would later be rebuilt in 2257 according to discovery will you take my hand when they uh when they bring up that uh star map there's a lot of there's probably over a hundred planets that are listed there and um I was not able to find like a complete list of everything that was listed, but I know I saw, uh, I've got, a have got a partial list here, but they did. We, we did see Bejor. We saw Cardassia prime. We saw, um, Marmoset. I, I remember seeing Wolf three, five, nine. No Wolf three, five, nine was there. Uh, Lisa, Tina, Trill. Angela, Rita. <laughs>
0: Bit Latoya <laughs> Tito.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the uh Suleban was listed there. Uh the, but yeah I mean that's a there's just a treasure trove of Easter eggs there if you want to was the Suleban
0: homeworld called Sulaban? I think so. I would have thought it was or... <laughs> Sulaba
3: or <laughs> <laughs> Sulaba. Right. Um okay so check out our Patreon patreon.com slash infinite potato uh you can find our review of kiss meets the phantom of the park as well as some other stuff like uh the room and uh my dangling Principle, plan plan nine from outer space and (laughs) the thing with two heads you know a bunch of you know things like that all Uh, the cinema
2: folks
3: (laughs) so i mean and, and mostly we do stuff that's just fun to make fun of uh we also do some stuff that like we did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because you know it's just a fun movie from uh, the first one? My childhood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We had fun that's,
0: with that one. That's a fantastic film. Yeah, we great. agree. It's great. Yeah. That's not to be that's not to be made fun of. No, we did not we weren't making
3: one. fun of it. Okay, <laughs> I mean, good. we made I mean, I won't say we made, well, we made, made a, a little of bit of fun of it. it. <laughs> well you gotta make a little bit of fun with it, but, you know. All right, so uh, you can you can uh, join for $3 a month or you can become a producer <laughs> for $10 a month like uh, Brandon Ushio, Dale Goodall, and Tom Corcoran, and I will read your name on an episode. And uh, no one has
1: yet to crack the mythical Rick will come wash your car level.
3: Oh, they've cracked it. They just declined. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: He's gonna come out and start talking about how Starship designs are wrong.
1: Um, I'll I'll do that for days. It'll be a,
0: it'll be an hour before he ever gets to like put the the sponge in the soap.
1: But I will wear short shorts and a halter top. Like,
2: well, as he
0: that. as he explains how That's my car <laughs> could
3: sustain
4: the shorts are so undignified. Fuck <laughs> right. never.
3: And if you want to contact the show, you can leave us a voicemail on Anchor, or you can send us an email or a Facebook message. If you want to find out how to do those things, just go to our website at InfinitePotato.com. Click the link for that Star Trek podcast, and you will find it.
1: Vulcan's got a hell of a gym, apparently, by the
3: way. <laughs> yeah, man. This is only logical. Nick, thank you very much for joining us. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you?
4: You can find me at superanemic.com or go on Facebook, Super Anemic.
3: All right. Dave, what about you?
0: Uh Star Trek Universe podcast and um DC on screen podcast talking about DC stuff. Or you can check out my Instagram at drawing with Dave. I draw.
3: And I'm Dave. <laughs>
1: you know I went to I went to DC a couple of times. It's a really cool town
3: yes sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Depends All right. on the day <laughs> yeah. John lives there so he can tell you John uh, once you let us know where we can find you other than DC other than DC uh,
5: I am on I'm the host of uh, Captain Game Show the trivia wordplay podcast on the network and you can find me on other shows on the network uh, I'm in season four of Captain Game Show every season uh, the season-long arc is the hidden game uh, this season that there are audio clues that are sprinkled in every episode the end of the season that will give you the key to unlock the clues solve the riddle win the prize
3: all right and rick what about you
1: you can find me on various shows here on the network or on uh, well not or uh uh i, I have my show starbase 66 uh, which I do very infrequently these days, and uh, uh, my uh, Stargate watch-along show, the, uh, Open the Iris. And there was a lot of words in there that were unnecessary. I apologize. <laughs>
0: it's all right. Yeah, I love that you were the only one of us who actually pimped your shit enthusiastically. Everyone's like, oh, no, I'm on a you, you, can, thing. you can find me on uh, Well, if you can
5: see the video, if you guys watch the video of this, we're all just taking turns yawning. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
2: you find on
3: DC on screen and
2: I'm
0: uh,
3: on some other shit. Which John's over like talking about again?
0: you saw the thing and I gave you the thing and whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Captain Game Show. I don't give a shit about
2: my show. I don't even care. I, I just four, I, I want to uh, say
1: that <laughs> all of these folks here have amazing content and y'all need to check it out. Super Anemic is hilarious. Dave draws amazing art. Captain Game Show is my favorite show of all time ever uh, On as, 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 for podcasts. And I'm not bullshitting. I, <laughs> I am not just making that up because I'm on the show from time to time. In fact, when I'm on the show, it's my least favorite. <laughs> no, <laughs> Captain Game Show is literally, if I'm listening to anything and a Captain Game Show comes up, that I put everything on hold and that's immediately what I listen to. And I am not making that up.
5: That is very kind, man. Thank you.
3: It's a very good show. That. Thank you. I'm the only one that Rick didn't compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're and right.
1: And
4: Cosmic- here too. Cosmic
1: potato is awesome. Well, um, you
5: know what, Sean? Your contribution to podcasting was getting me into podcasting, so thanks. <laughs> You've done the world a favor
3: all right remember there is another episode out this week where we talk about farewell which was the uh season two finale of picard so that's on the feed right now as you're hearing this not as we're recording it because we just finished recording it an hour ago we will be back next week to talk about the next new episode of strange new worlds which is titled children of the comet until then remember not believing you're gonna die is what gets you killed